Welcome to Extended Clip, episode 19. I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Averill. I'm Malcolm Baum. I'm JT White. Calling in once again from Philadelphia, week two of our East Coast versus West Coast beef duology. How are you, buddy? It's been a while. I miss you boys so much. I'm scared here. <laughs> I'm alone. It's cold. Uh, this city is so strange and different. I'm not in a podcasting studio. I'm I'm in a living room. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weird out here. But uh, I'll be back shortly. And have I been informed correctly that uh, Nico is asleep? Uh, yes, indeed. Peacefully well, uh, sleeping above us. Y- but should... uh, he'll be represented in one of his picks uh, this week. You should pull like the prank where you put a bowl of water under his hand and uh, tickle him and put shaving cream on his hand so he puts shaving cream all over his face. I just do the bowl of water prank, but then I'm teabagging him as well. <laughs> That's a two for two. Yeah, isn't it <laughs> yeah. a weird thing? Like if you're like if you put someone's hand in water while they're sleeping, they shit themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Loosens them up. Well, today we're going to be talking about a couple of films. The animals are out in full force. This is our PETA episode, Animal Lovers. Yeah. We love animals. And uh the first one we're going to be talking about is Kiddy, the 2016 documentary from Turkey. And after that, we're going to be talking about White Dog, the uh, 1982 Sam Fuller late period classic. Wow. Now, uh, these selections came to us from our East Coast division. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about them, JT? Speaking here from East Coast uh, Extended Clip Lab, uh, I just like... Well, the title of The Secret Life of Pets came to me first uh, from everyone's favorite Louis C.K. classic. Um, he's in that one, right? Secret Life of Pets? I don't. Yeah, is he, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's, he's a voice in that animated movie. He's they, the dog. They had to recast him for the sequel. Oh, yeah. man. Canceled. Um, yeah. So, what a shame. Uh, R.I.P. I was, I was just thinking about, like, Nico uh, really had mentioned Keddy like a while ago and had enjoyed it. Um, and I was thinking, oh, okay, it would be funny to pair this like, uh, like pretty, like, I don't know, standard like art doc fair um, with a Sam Fuller flick that we like talked about. Was that off mic or did we, were we, were, I don't know. I we had talked about if White that Dog. Made it into the episode, but we talked about we joked about pairing it with Air Bud. Oh, yeah, shit. Oh, how clever of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, of me. <laughs> well, okay. That's why you remember. Um, yeah, but uh, I figured it would it would pair well uh, with Keddy, a good old cats versus dogs rivalry. Um, though I think the the. The white dog from White Dog would easily devour all of the cats and Ketty. Um Absolutely no fucking competition. Yeah. This one's for the yeah. motherfucking dogs, dude. Yeah, this is as DMX would say. <laughs> Where <are> my dogs <laughs> at? Well, let's get right into our first film, the documentary. Uh, and we just heard from our own little kitty there. Uh, what, what's the cat there's name, JT? Um, Funches is the cat's name. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry if Ron Funches. Funches. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm sorry if Funches is a little vocal. Uh, this app. Oh no, I uh, love it. Representation. She, yeah. She's just uh, just chilling with me uh, out here uh, out here on the East Coast Pod Studios. It gets lonely, and uh, you need a companion at night sometimes. 
Hey, don't feel afraid to pass her the mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, I feel like uh, appropriate uh, for the film, of course. Oh, I, yeah. I want to get a perspective of someone in the community. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so you got to get her on mic. That's very good. Yeah, I don't have any cats at my house to interview about this film. Uh, I, I hung out with my girls, Grace and Dumbo, after watching White Dog. They didn't watch the film with me. You know, they, they no. can't stomach such exploitation. <laughs> uh, but they, they they seemed to take away the right message from the film when I explained it to them, you know. <laughs> Uh, so our documentary, our A feature, Kitty, and let's just get the record straight r- right away about White Dog being the B movie. It's more about the uh, reputability of the movie. Uh, we know that Sam Fuller makes high art. Yeah. Obviously. So our A feature, you know, I remember it was playing at the Lemley Theater in Encino where the old people go. And I thought about checking it out, but I didn't. I thought, hey, man, I'll just watch cute cat videos on my own time on youtube yeah they... yeah i mean coincidentally enough this is a youtube red film <laughs> really they know their market yeah yeah that pissed me off too well it pissed me off but it also tipped me off sorry <laughs> oh, wow. i know I'm not, i know i'm not coming through that clear probably you're pissed and tipped dude. yeah uh, yeah well no jt is pissed uh, i'm tipped <laughs> and i'm i'm fucking angry <laughs> that's true uh but what what tipped me off kind of to what the film was going to be in terms of its aesthetic approach was that opening fucking YouTube red title card mm-hmm. uh, followed by a drone shot over Istanbul. And it's like, okay, well, it's going to yeah. be one of these. Yeah. Uh, but I ended up enjoying a lot of it. You know, it was there was a lot to hate about it, I think. There, mm-hmm. it, I think it's kind of a dumb movie and uh, it doesn't necessarily have any sort of structure or momentum at all Mm -hmm. uh and really just like lazy camera work and stuff but it's also just like man it's a good case for how cute cats are Mm -hmm. because it's still like mostly okay yeah it's mostly fine and it's kind of fun to see like how the humans interact with cats and how much they like them but it yeah it did kind of have it had trouble grasping my attention you know it i definitely i'm gonna be honest i was definitely looking at the phone a little bit while uh (laughs) while watching this this one caught you in the zone out caught definitely caught me in a major zone out yeah what about what about you jt i think you were a little more partial to this one yeah i mean like it's something like i definitely feel like i like something i would fade in and out of but i like Mm-hmm. appreciated the like relaxed sort of quality to it yeah. like mm-hmm. i don't think it's like uh, like obviously anything like particularly serious um but i liked um i think kind of what gives it a little bit more weight to me is like being able to experience istanbul through like the unique perspective of like it being a city populated with so many cats and like the unique relationship they have as opposed to like other urban environments where cats live and again i was like it's a uh, i don't know i think like some bits of it are charming um but there are definitely a lot of really big glaring flaws like anytime the like the the turkish people that are interviewed when they like get a little bit too like trying to like wax too poetic <laughs> about oh, yeah. like yeah the meaning of cats and where it's like there's one quote i wrote down here where it's cats act as the middlemen to god's will it's like okay you're landing on a little thick and like i like part of it like i like like because it's sort of like a folksy quality where it's like you talk to like 
uh, you talk to some fuck ass normies about uh, why they love their kitties, and uh, I'm sure it's it will range a variety of weird reasons. But like just part of it, like just because you feel like the documentarian is kind of on that side in some respect, and so that's like kind of what loses me. But overall, I think like just it it's like charmingly ineffectual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, I get what you mean there. I think it shows a little promise in the beginning with like the first cat that you follow for an extended period of time. You see like these long takes following her hunting down uh some just like scraps from tables and stuff mm-hmm. and just begging for food and you know, she's on her hunter shit and apparently it's because you know she used to be less uh hungry until she had kitties and now she brings home a whole loot of snacks. And it's just like, oh, by the end of that scene, you're like, it's like kind of a slow paced thing uh, watching this cat go about do her business. And the cutting is a bit much, but there are some long takes within there. And then it's like over explained that it's like, oh, you know, she actually has to provide for her kitties. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you kind of just fucking saw that. <laughs> we, yeah. we get it now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a YouTube red documentary. You know, people people could just look up cat videos that they pay for the explainer, you know. Yeah, and then I think right after that, uh, I think the person that was explaining that cat then says, some cats really have character. You could see it in their face. (laughs) And it's just like, from that point on, I mean, come on, it's hard to... I I do like when they get more eccentric people, but when it's just like people talking about how cool cats are, and especially when they get a little more broad, it's just like really hard to... Uh, not listen to really hard to read the subtitles <laughs> i just kind of try to look at the background of the frame for cats yeah it's kind of like some like reddit tier 2010 like epic kitty <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was what i thought at first i was like okay i can't let myself like think it's just that the whole time i have it's not, to like, it's give not. this respect yeah. you know because it does have some like decent filmmaking but there is a lot of like really like irresponsible camera work i have to say <laughs> like some stuff that could have been done so easily that really they made a mess out of like i think overall the project of like following like a variety of street cats and showing the different character uh that they all have is interesting in terms of like the the execution of it all i think that's kind of where like i don't know like what you're saying like it kind of doesn't gel as much like the score especially is something that i feel like could have like really like i like the turkish the or like the the soundtrack the turkish song yeah the one like um, kind of 60s psych sounding track that they play i think again over the credits also is pretty awesome but all the score is just garbage yeah those are all really good and just like the score like doesn't like again it feels like something that's like a little bit too generic like i like like something like this like i like that 78 minutes and it's like Mm -hmm. like i do like uh, that part (laughs) i I like that it's quick enough for like the subject matter and like i think that like they it's not taking itself too seriously um Mm -hmm. like at points and i think like it has uh, a laid back um style or like approach to it that i can tune into at some points but then i don't know just just overall as a piece it doesn't work in a way where it's like particularly memorable but it's uh i don't know cats are cool 
Cats yeah. are cool. And this is so this is a twenty sixteen film. It's pretty recent and I don't know if you guys remember kind of the the conversation surrounding this film, but like no. I feel like everything I saw about it was so hyperbolic and I think that's what eventually made me not watch it is because everything I saw about this film was that it was everything and it would save your life. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I, wow, that kind of dates it because people haven't really that hasn't been like the indie wire phrasing for a few years <laughs> now, but like saying blank is everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was peak like when this movie came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. a kitty w- will be everything. Uh, when it's you see it. hot off of like 2016 or it's 2016, I think. So it's like yeah. you're in a in a, a Trump yeah. world. You just yeah. need some fucking hope, man. Yeah. Well, no, you this got to see. This was during the election though right this was 2016 it's before he's elected he was elected. oh he could have got released well i guess yeah it was probably in production yeah before but no i that's what magic. i was thinking though is because there has been you know turkey has not exactly been the most politically stable country over the last decade no and i i'm not like a fucking historian i don't know about this stuff but like it does seem like a very much uh the type of film that is gotten funded for and is advertised as a distraction from the garbage fire of the <laughs> world. oh yeah, it, yeah. Like, i and, just looked it up and it was a uh, like north american release was february 2017 oh okay so, that's actually that is literally three weeks after inauguration or damn, so like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little pacifier for all the baby all the- labels <laughs> Oh yes, yeah. So there's yeah, there's a lot of dumb shit. I mean, there's also some good stuff. There's that one uh, tracksuit guy who lives on the docks and mm-hmm. like feeds the kitties out of like a needle, like he injects milk into their mouth, pretty yeah. much, and that's pretty cool. It, but then he tell like that was cool for five minutes, and then it kept going, and he had to tell this really sappy story about how like a cat showed him a wallet that had 120 lira in it. And like, so then anyone who doesn't believe him, uh, he hates or something like that. Oh, (laughs) that story was really funny because it's just like, he just stole money from (laughs) some some wallet. (laughs) A drunk guy who went to go buy tea and couldn't even afford it. And then was like, okay, I guess I'll go steal money. (laughs) My two favorite details about that little interaction with the tracksuit guy is one that there was like a male cat who just came to all the kittens, just like I'm gonna be the mother now. <laughs> kind of strange. And then like towards the end of the interview, that like they uh, they say something about raising kids or comparing them to cats, like kind of like the couple you got at home or something. Yeah. But he, he was like, oh yeah, yeah, they're a handful. <laughs> so, like I was just like, it's kind of a weird, <laughs> this weird tone to bring to this cat documentary. I, yeah, I just wanted to escape and you know enjoy yeah. the cute kittens well they did try to get serious for a little bit but it's really just about like how the cats don't have anywhere to go and like the buildings are going to get torn down and stuff Mm. and it's like okay like oh well (laughs) they don't make a point of anything about how that (laughs) works systemically or anything you know uh it's just kind of like oh the little kitties aren't gonna have a home (laughs) i'm so sad (laughs) play some fucking sarah mclaughlin over it why don't you (laughs) yeah yeah, next. Is it McLaughlin or McLaughlin? McLaughlin. McLovin. <laughs> it's the more type sound. Yeah. It's not the actor from Twin Peaks. It's not the Sarah McLaughlin group. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh god. Well, yeah. So it also feels like it could be kind of tourism, like uh, or like a tourism advertisement. Even like, come totally. to Istanbul. There's kitties yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> They should have played that song in Istanbul, Wisconsin. Like they might be giants. <laughs> yeah, that one. Be, yeah. I say I would have gotten into. I was like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, where's the "They Might Be Giants" song? <laughs> See, as the alpha of the podcast, I've never listened to a "They Might Be Giants" song in my life. Damn, you haven't listened to Malcolm in the Middle theme song, dude? Oh, oh, well, I didn't know that was them. Busted. Did not. Know. Alpha, alpha status revoked. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the fucking beta bin with the rest of us <laughs> and uh yeah another highlight of terrible things that people say is uh this one lady talks about how people don't want to live with cats and then she's like if we all learn to live together we would all be happy <laughs> it's just like okay what does that mean <laughs> state mandated cats or something like that <laughs> and during that that's when there's like the really inspirational score over the end like that's towards the end you know and then mm-hmm. you just get a series of drone shots over like magic hour over istanbul yeah and it's just like really leaves you with a sour taste in your mouth it <laughs> mm-hmm. feels like i'm on a in my hotel room on my vacation balcony looking over istanbul <laughs> love that memory See, one thing about me is I love travel. <laughs> yeah, that's probably my number one habit, ha- habby, hobby. It's a habit at this point. Yeah, it's a habit. <laughs> when hobbies turn to habits. <laughs> I'm always catching a flight. Well, I think that just about wraps up our kitty talk. Um, yeah, it's pretty, like, I don't know, uh, a, a simple flick, breezy. Not too much to much too much to weigh in on there, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's inconsequential, and maybe if I liked it more, I'd give it a higher score. <laughs> I, <laughs> but I'm giving it two bullets. I'm shooting those cats damn, twice. Damn. I guess any rating we get give is a shot. To we're a killing cat. cats. We're yeah. killing cats. I mean, we're we're killing cats and dogs today. <laughs> it's raining cats and dogs. Just call us the extended clip pound. <laughs> Just take putting them down. I have a surprise for the dog ground. Ooh. Okay. Um, I was gonna say something. I'm not gonna say it, but uh, it doesn't have to do with friend of the pod, Michael Vick. <laughs> it just like I I was gonna make an animal cruelty joke, but I just can't advocate that. So, um, I'm gonna give this. I can't even feel bothered to give this a rating. I'm I'm uh, but I'll give it one. I guess two bullets. That's how I feel. Also, I feel like like if you're listening to this, it's like you know if you'd like this movie, you might like this movie. Yeah, I think all my friends on Letterboxd, except Nico, had it between like two and a half and three and a half, or like two and three and a half, pretty much. I was like, yeah, makes sense. No mm-hmm. one, no one's gonna. Well, I wish Nico was awake so he could go to bat for it. But I was gonna say, no one's gonna go to bat saying it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think there's any reason to like fully trash it either. Yeah. Like it, it, you know, it does what it sets out to do. Perfect, not perfectly, but it does what it sets out to do. Yeah, there are like some aside from uh, Nico. Uh, the ladies i uh, i mean not to make any uh real gendered uh uh calls on this one but uh it seems like the ladies love the cats uh and uh in most of the letterboxed uh scores that i've seen yeah i mean i i hey i could believe it all right in respect of extended <laughs> clip ladies night <laughs> true we got to we got to make a statement about how this relates to the ladies i guess you did yeah, curl up. This one is one for the GFs. 
Yeah, I texted my girlfriend about it, and she said it sounded like a good movie, and I was like, well... <laughs> you're not the expert. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you a don't podcast. have a fucking podcast. <laughs> they don't just give these out to people. <laughs> oh, man. I'm I, giving it two bullets. I'm sorry. <laughs> I really messed up on the the tweet i like mm-hmm. i tweeted it and i put the wrong email and then i deleted that and i put it back up but like i p- copied and pasted the old tweet so it just has the link to the picture that i put and it just is a dead link and it's just nothing hell yeah that's that's i guess but that's you know what, what we're doing it's been 30 minutes it has a like already you give what you get <laughs> hey one like we'll take it is you give what you get applicable there i don't know what that you, means you only you only get what you give you only get what you give okay don't i guess it's stop. as good as it gets and in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make Damn, you gotta uh, cut a snort for me uh you get a bullet rating on this one jt oh yeah i three and a half bullets i'm like i'm on the fence i've been on the fence with that or like three um i don't know uh yeah i uh, like cats (laughs) okay i'm i'm petting one as we speak that's true and i don't want to be rude uh dude you're uh... biased yeah (laughs) 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 looks like we got a biased reviewer over here here. (laughs) bias detected must be removed from the debate arena Nine one one. I'd like to report a bias. <laughs> You're busted, JT. It's over. <laughs> My podcasting career is ruined. <laughs> we caught you pandering. <laughs> well, we'll be right back on extended clip. <laughs> that ain't no attack dog you got. That's a white dog. Of course, he's a white dog. I don't mean his color. He's going to attack and kill black people. That's crazy. I don't believe that. Welcome back to Extended Clip. Before we get into our second feature of the week, is there anything else you guys watched this past week you want to share with us? No. Okay. What about you, JT? <laughs> um, yeah, actually. I, uh, I, I do. I have a lot. I, I have one thing I really want to fucking talk about. All right. I've been chomping at the bit. All right. Um, I've been thinking all week. I was like, this is the thing I'm going to talk about in this segment where we talk about a movie that we've seen. And you've seen this one, too. Is this uh, going to be a your... little flick? <laughs> is this going to be my what? <laughs> I didn't want to cut you off, but when you kept saying that you had something to say, I wanted to say, is this going to be your Glenn Danzig moment <laughs> because of the song Last Caress by Misfits? <laughs> Uh, yes, this is going to be my Glenn Danzig <laughs> okay, moment. Okay, good. I'll put that clip in. <laughs> it's Gemini Man. Of course. In case you're curious, folks, the new Angley classic that's just come out. This is something like I, when I first was like doing my Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, binge a few months ago the first time i saw it is when i saw the trailer for gemini man and i was like okay this is definitely something i could fuck with um and i think at the time i didn't even know about like the the high frame rate uh 3d uh and i was just like okay this like seems like wacky enough or like the premise was like 
dumb enough, but I feel like in the right hand, like I felt like Ang Lee was the right hands to do something interesting with the material. Yeah. Um, and then when I found out uh, his experimentation with uh, 3D, I was like, okay, this is definitely going to be like something like special. And uh, the idea of like missing out on something that's like doing like a genuinely interesting innovation that's trying to differentiate uh digital cinema from analog film was just fascinating and i think like it works really well as like an experiment like it's compelling all the action in it is phenomenal a lot of people have like gripes with the script which like yeah like it's kind of corny and like whatnot but like it moves like quickly from like set piece to set piece and it's all phenomenal i just uh i I had a great time and i'm definitely gonna like uh go out and uh see it again uh just because like i'm i'm worried it's not gonna be in theaters that long because it's a pretty big flop and it's a very disappointing that like people aren't showing up uh for I feel like like in an era of such bland uh, CG and like boring uh, effects that like a legitimately like genuine innovation is being disregarded. But uh, how did you feel about Gemini Man, Eddie? I loved it. I thought it was so great. It was my first experience with Ang Lee as a filmmaker and it did not disappoint what's well it more than exceeded my expectations i was expecting to enjoy the experimentation with a high frame rate but yeah i don't know the trailer looked cool i don't know it just looked like fine and i had heard a lot of people say that the script was awful and all that shit and you know uh the usual suspects the vulgar tourists came out for it early and i was like well of course they will you know and uh, but then I was like, I'll probably be in the middle somewhere. And then I watched it and was completely fucking blown away. The use of depth throughout the entire film is incredible. Even in the, yeah, there's crappy scenes of dialogue. But, like, the way that Ang Lee films it is so interesting. Just in these little gestures it, within, like, a shot, reverse shot conversation. The use of depth in 3D is so good. And the way that you could see people's expressions on their faces so much clearer with the high frame rate is so great. And then when the high frame rate is working in full effect is during the action set pieces, which are just incredible. There's one dirt bike chase that is just one for the ages, man. I I love extreme sports and I need it coming back in cinema. And I think Ang Lee's the perfect guy to do it. You know, bring back the freestyle motocross to the cinema. (laughs) As a as a Billy Lynn's halftime walk advocate, I'll definitely be catching this in theaters, possibly tomorrow, just because you got to see it in the format. I got to see it in the format. This yeah. is truly a theater film. You saw it in uh, sixty frames per second, right? I yeah, wanted, it's I only know at one twenty in like ten places. Yeah, I, there are some places I want to try and make it because I think there's an AMC in Century City mm-hmm. uh, yeah. where they're doing the one twenty. That's the that one wanna, in LA. Yeah. I want to I want to check it out there because mm-hmm. um, I, I I'm curious if the if the difference would be like I, I'm curious how much I would notice it from the 120 to 60 but uh, I'm definitely gonna check it out again. Nice. I uh that Century City AMC man that is a cursed location. I've only been there once yeah. and I saw La La Land there. <laughs> 
with a fucking like thirty dollar AMC gift card that I got for my birthday and two tickets to La La Land, baby. <laughs> what an awful movie. One one just uh one seat reserved just so no one sits next to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I also or Malcolm. Yeah. Did you think of anything that you saw this yeah, week that you yeah. want to talk just, about? <laughs> I was being a little facetious, you know, maybe a little silver-tongued. Um, I, you know, of course, I I'm, I do this podcast because I love to talk about movies, and I'll talk about what I saw this week. Um, Dude, you're being facetious, O'Neal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I deserve that. Um, I saw Jackie Brown. You guys ever hear about this movie? I think you're staring at the Blu-ray behind that copy of Don't Let the River Beast Get You. <laughs> Damn, I'm using my x-ray vision just to see this Blu-ray. <laughs> That's how much I like the movie. Um, yeah, it's it's really it's really amazing. And, you know, I get when people say it's the best Tarantino. It probably is the best Tarantino. I advocate that. I got to collect them all, though. I guess I, guess I agree. I, yeah. I don't advocate. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, it's it's always good to be an advocate for something. So maybe you should. I mean, probably some of the best needle drops I've ever heard in a movie. Period. Like real like amazing stuff. And uh I mean Robert Forster, got to give him the shout out. Just died. Just hit the grave real quick and um <laughs> Um Hey man, it's okay. We all do it. And I mean, he, I just, one thing I noticed, I was watching this with my roommate, I mean, perfect movie face, one of the best movie faces oh, of all yeah. time. Same with Pam uh, Pam Greer. I was seeing both of their faces in a movie. I was just like, this is really doing it for me. And uh, Forster's obviously a guy, like, I mean, he's kind of hot as an old man, but I was just like, let me look up pictures of this guy when he was in his 20s. And Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And me and my roommate were just going wild, just pulling up like <laughs> picture after picture. We were like, shit. Like, uh, in like Looney Tunes when they see a naked lady, like <laughs> yeah. the jaw goes through the floor. And, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like um, my roommate, I'll get, you know, Scott's my roommate, shout out. But uh, um, yeah, he was like, he found one he with him as like a laborer, like playing a laborer in a movie. He had a little like fake oil smudge on his face i was nice. like holy shit like hey this is perfect for our ladies night episode given given when you guys say it's ladies gals. night, he thinks it's like a joke to you guys but me i really do like to like you know give a little something for our female fans out there <laughs> so. our fifos love us <laughs> uh i will say though that in terms of the awful subcategories that netflix creates girls night in is one of the better ones yeah. like that's where a lot of the better movies on netflix reside yeah. so yeah better than like if you like dark twisted uh thrillers yeah. about or, serial killers or critically acclaimed films <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the worst categories on there <laughs> just like goodwill hunting yeah and like white god or whatever that movie's called oh yeah. shit um but yeah jackie brown what more can i even say about it not much well, other movie faces are in it robert de niro robert de niro de niro who's looking exactly like my uncle but uh, um <laughs> um does look, he does your uncle rip the bong like de niro nah, in that movie nah he rips cigs though so maybe you know just a smoker just smokers alliance right yeah. there and um yeah de niro i liked the way the kind of mood de niro was giving of just kind of like a kind of like somewhat pathetic just a mm-hmm. you know person about you know how this you know ultimately it's a movie about how crime doesn't pay and uh <laughs> um it doesn't you know just denaro seems like a, a very like the type of person who pursued this life and there's it's never really given him much and he meets a, a you know kind of a an end as my 
unemployment continues. Uh, I mean, I've picked up a little part-time underemployment doing some script coverage, but I still am watching much more movies per week than usual. So I have a big week to catch up on. I rewatched possibly my favorite movie of all time, Inherent Vice, on 35mm a couple nights ago at the New Beverly. And boy, nothing new to say about that one. But uh, it's (laughs) great. And no, I will say, though, in terms of watching it on celluloid, the darker scenes and the more fog-covered scenes are just... The amount of film grain on it is incredible. And the texture of like the fog the first time that... He meets Koi, played by Owen Wilson, is so surreal, uh, especially on celluloid, even with like that, you know, corny joke in the in the voiceover that uh, Joanna Newsom says about like the fog uh, do, done no favors by the indica that they had, uh, you know, <laughs> smoked making it thicker. And it's like still even with these like uh, very self-aware jokes in the voiceover just like transporting you so deep into this like so lived in and felt place of uh you know this pinchonian version of la this you know gordita beach as it were and uh yeah paul thomas anderson man i hope he makes another one soon (laughs) and uh, i also saw satan tango and it's great but like come on it's not your favorite movie take it <laughs> off your favorite movies tab guy that has it on your favorite movies tab on letterboxd gus van sant we're looking at you <laughs> i like elephant more than satan tango i'll say that i like jerry more than satan tango too hell yeah and yeah i rewatched 10 by kiristami which i didn't really like the first time but second time obviously it's a fucking classic i want to i want a gemini man myself go back and smack 21 year old uh eddie (laughs) just getting into kiristami and thought the late period work was as accessible as the 90s stuff and no you know you sometimes gotta work a little harder in the 2000s -hmm. with kiristami but it's well worth it with uh both five and ten so Check them out, folks. Abbas Kirstami, R.I.P. Yeah, rest in pussy. <laughs> um, <laughs> we love we love filmmakers that make us work hard. That's one thing. Extended. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's about time to get into our second movie, a ninety-minute movie by Sam Fuller, nineteen eighty-two, White Dog. Now, this is a uh, this is a crazy movie. This is a crazy movie history moment. You know. Uh, this is a movie that Paramount put $7 million into, which even back then, not very much. It's kind of a B movie, but it's at a major studio, and it made all of 46000 back. Uh, it was, you know, a long, laborious process of getting it made, and so many, like, protests, even before people had seen the final cut, and people thought the movie was going to be racist when... You know, Sam Fuller later said Paramount was worried that the KKK was going to be upset with how, like, racism was portrayed. (laughs) And uh, they basically dumped it in, like, one theater in Detroit for a week with no promo or posters, and it made no money. And then they dumped it in, like, France and the UK for a little while. So it made, you know, less than 100000 Not officially released in the U.S. until its DVD by Criterion in 2008. And, look... We were waiting, and we got it. We got the film where a dog solved racism. <laughs> uh, JT, you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, your history with White Dog, why you brought this one to us? Yeah, I uh, two things I uh, couldn't love more. Uh, uh, dogs 
and hating racism. Uh, um, oh, God. <laughs> Wiping the yeah. sweat off my forehead. That's so quickly <laughs> built up. If I found out that JT liked racism, I'd, I'd hang up. <laughs> It'd be over for these hoes. <laughs> it was probably, I think, the first Fuller film that I saw, which is, like, weird, but, like, um, I think it was, like, early on in my cinephilia, like, uh, either late middle school or early high school for me, I, like, I don't know, it was an early thing where I was, like, browsing Criterions, and I was like, this sounds like a crazy, <laughs> um, like, idea for a flick. And I was like, the, the dog is racist? <laughs> and and uh, I was like, I thought that was just people. But there, there was, like, I was familiar with the King of the Hill episode with a very similar premise that I'll get into later in this uh, discussion but um, it was just like, I don't know, it's that pulpy type of exploitation that always like appeals to me. Um, and like later, like having now like filled out a lot more of Fuller's work, I think he's one of like my all time faves because he does like such progressive like social issue films where he like moralizes. Like that was one thing in like Armand Wright, Armand White has a. Uh, great uh write-up of this that's like in like included with the criterion uh dvd um but he like sort of talks about uh fuller's like moralizing and i think uh he does it with such ferocity and uh intensity um in like all of his films and it really shines through in white dog and it had been years since i had seen it and i would like we had talked about it last week um, and I was just curious to see if it would held up and, or hold up and boy uh, did it for me. <laughs> Absolutely. No, Fuller's definitely one. And I saw this in a review somewhere. I can't credit this to my own mind, but uh, someone said that Fuller's like one of the best white filmmakers to constantly, you know, address racism or social issues and kind of does it in a non embarrassing way, like in a smart like very socially conscious way and like white dog is a perfect example of that just like a very sm like very smart metaphor for like you know kind of like benign racism and you know racism in general and uh you know it plays out throughout the film and it's still an exploitation film it's a zoo zoo i can't say the word zoo zoo exploitation zoo exploitation just kind of zoo <laughs> well yeah general animal exploitation no yeah, yeah exactly yeah i mean yeah it's not a full-on zoo movie yeah, i guess i don't want to mislead people. there are quite a bit of animals getting uh you know getting roughed up yeah and, yeah uh, we love to see it you do love to see it <laughs> <laughs> Look, no animals were harmed in the making of this podcast, but in terms of exploitation movies, yeah, you do kind of have to sit through a lot of animals getting hurt, and this movie is a lot better about that, oh, yeah. <laughs> obviously overseen by the Humane Society, and it's like uh, a, a studio film, even though it is like a B-movie, and it's like very pulpy material, but it's a very good dog performance by five dogs, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, named Julie... Uh, or no, sorry. Julie's the girl, and I didn't write down the five dogs' names. I wrote down the main. I wrote down you, four you main characters' name with the dog. Yeah, I wrote down the names of four characters, and then the word five dogs." The phrase five dogs." You left yourself a message to yeah. deconstruct there. So it starts off with Julie 
running over the titular white dog on the road. And uh, she takes him to the vet and she has to uh, take him home with her. You know, and I, I really do love the plotting of this movie. There's like six or seven plot points total, and all of them are hit so hard right on the head. <laughs> and all of the scenes are like seven or eight minutes long. I love it because like all these scenes, Fuller lets them play out and lets the emotions of each scene build and fall for every character. And he has all of these visual schemes that he goes about throughout the throughout each scene. You know, there's one scene that he does a long take throughout the whole thing, but. Uh, usually he'll do a long take and then he'll do a couple of quicker cuts and just these little things that don't seem to be showing off but are just like the pitch perfect form of filmmaking and uh, it lets these long scenes of like talking really uh, just breeze by in like the 90 minute runtime. so she gets the dog and the dog saves her uh, because she was victim of a home invasion and sexual assault and the dog came through, man. It did exactly what you wanted to. Uh, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood fashion, <laughs> the dog prevented a sex crime. Yeah. Did the dog do that in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh. I guess technically. I mean, I don't you know if it was going to be a sex crime. <laughs> you could, you could, you yeah, could I mean, read that into Once you Upon a Time. You could say. It's, Look, it's Quentin Tarantino. That guy's messed up. <laughs> you have One of, there's a great line that a cop says when he, after he's arresting uh the the would-be rapist and he says it's the same damn rapist i nailed last year <laughs> that is true that, that like ra- it kind of raises the stakes in hindsight though it's like this is an experience this is like a serial rapist that this mm-hmm. dog was able to fiend off you know mm-hmm. and so she grows closer to the dog and you get this great close-up of the dog covered in blood uh like hugging her mm-hmm. on her shoulder and it's just like beautiful and disgusting all at once oh it's also like i feel like the first moment well i mean like like early on i feel like one thing you take note of throughout the entire film is the way the cinematography covers like the dog's perspective oh yeah and like you really get in like i don't know there's like a weird supernatural quality to the dog that also or like not supernatural but like the dog is clearly more aware and more like consciously thinking of things than any like real life animal um and that you get a little glimpse of that when the dog just like jumps through the glass uh to take down this rapist um but then along with that just like the way uh he's filmed throughout with the camera like low to the ground like an ozu movie Damn it. Um, I was gonna make but, that <laughs> but just to like uh just to get his perspective and uh i love just how much of a legitimate like uh character that you understand the thought process of the dog becomes oh, yeah. mm-hmm. the close-ups of the dog are so expressive there are so many great close-ups there's the first time that he meets keys the guy who's going to break him you know mm-hmm. where there's just the shot reverse shot of the close-ups on their eyes matching yeah it's just one of the most magical moments in the film but one of the great moments in the film jt you had just said when the dog crashes through the window to take down the would-be rapist, that is seriously just like fucking A-plus action filmmaking. <laughs> you don't get any better than that. It's just like the mechanics of it are perfect. The camera is in the absolute perfect place. There's no fancy moves or anything like that, and the cutting is very like seamless. 
I don't know. Sam Fuller is just the god. I, I'd only seen, I think I've seen four movies of his, mm-hmm. and they've all been great, but I don't know. This one's probably my favorite so far. So after she has this bonding moment with the dog, she brings him to work with her, and uh, she's an actress. So she's on set, and you get this really great mm-hmm. long take uh, moving through a film set, and uh, the director makes a joke about Truffaut. <laughs> And or I think the director is like pissed off and the producer makes a joke about Truffaut and saying that it's actually art because they're doing some like really shitty rear projection that looks terrible. And it's 1980, which is perfect because Samuel Fuller worked at the end of the Hollywood system, Mm -hmm. you know, and he used rear projection in a time where that was the norm. And then now he's in this era where it's like, oh, that's this ugly, gross shit that no one's done for 30 years, you know, and like Sam Fuller would know how to make it look fucking good, you know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he sets that up and then they do their scene where they're on a uh, on the French Riviera or something like that. And then the dog sees that Julie's co-star in the scene is black mm-hmm. and just absolutely fucking loses it and breaks the chain that he was tied up on and just attacks her and mauls her and she's hospitalized and it's just traumatic for everyone on set. And Fuller actually cuts out the sound at this point. The first couple attacks you see, there's sound. This one, though, he cuts out the sound. You don't hear like the woman shrieking or mm-hmm. anything. You mainly just see Julie's face in horror. Yeah. And something about like those, uh, something about like how the movie films from the dog's perspective and constantly presents it, you know, makes kind of like these racist attacks a little bit more felt and, you know, in a sense. Yeah. And speaking of the racist attacks, there was one before this also Mm -hmm, that we didn't see. This is the first one, according to Julie and according to everyone else. It lets you in. It lets the audience in on a little secret that the dog's racist uh, (laughs) right away when you see a really great shot of a a street sweeper. and I'm saying the vehicle, the street sweeper, you see head on first and the beams are flashing right mm-hmm. into the camera. And Fuller does a lot of this like uh, nighttime, like lens flares. And uh, this is one of the great ones. And then you see the guy driving it is this black guy lighting a cigar. And it's just like one of the great just like money shots in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. Fuller is so great working in the darkness here and just like lighting the actors perfectly and the the flame of lighting the cigar you know being the primary light source for the shot and then yeah the dog fucking mauls him and he is it's that classic grand theft auto death where the guy steps on the the pedal after he gets killed in the car and the car keeps fucking trucking through so he like breaks through two walls of a storefront and mm. it's just beautiful destruction i don't know so after we realize that uh wait w- when does when do they realize that he's yeah it's called noah's ark and you have a lovely little introduction to this like hollywood animal kind of like zoo where it's like they're animals for rent for use in like movies um that like burl ives is sort of one of the lead guys uh behind it in a phenomenal performance i think like the like his character is like one of the funniest parts there's like a lot like a great moment in the introduction where he's uh, asking Julie if she knows who uh, John Wayne is <laughs> or and if she's ever seen True Grit. And uh, she talks about this. He talks about the scene in True Grit where uh, uh, he John Wayne reaches into a snake pit and he shows Julie his hand and he's like, this is the hand that helped the Duke win the Oscar. <laughs> um, and it's just like such a the, all the characters are so rich in that perspective. But you get the introduction to Ives character and then also keys who is 
sort of the main force that will be uh, taking on this quest of trying to make this dog not racist anymore. So you find out that he's racist because he attacks another uh, black employee of the ranch. I mean, I guess Keys is an employee. He's like the part owner. It's Keys mm. and Carruthers. An employee of mm. the uh, establishment is attacked by the dog and right away remarks that it's a white dog. And mm. Keys is there and he, you know, tells her that she's got to put that dog down. You know, it's a racist dog. And mm. then he takes on the challenge. And it's such a classic, you know, uh, genre movie type thing. The <laughs> first act break is this guy saying, oh, nobody's beaten this dog into shape before. Looks like I got five weeks to do it. Or yeah. this dog's dead. It's like screenwriting 101, but who cares? You know, yeah. it's like uh, it's perfect for genre stuff. Yeah. Take five weeks vacation, Joe. If I don't break him, I'll shoot him. And this environment of Noah's Ark is so lived in. Everyone that works there feels like they've worked there forever. And it's no coincidence. I think that Dick Miller is one of the people that works there. And, you know, at this point, Dick Miller had been acting in Hollywood for 30 years, you know, and he's just hanging out with a fucking monkey in the office. And he told, he points Julie to where, you know, her dog's being trained. And, uh, it's Sam Fuller knows the, the industry stuff inside out. You know, he had been working in the industry for so long. And so this weird offshoot of the industry, these film animal people, uh, even them, he knows them to a T and he represents them so perfectly. Yeah. I didn't even really think about that, but there's, yeah, I mean, there's a great sense of fascination of just how he depicts like, a a workplace or a work environment, uh, you know, as you said, like the film set or the, uh, the zoo and just really taps into the dynamics of how everything works and how, you know, it becomes a machine. So we get some long scenes, uh, of keys training the dog for the next act. And he's in this big dome and it's just this beautiful set, you know, uh, where it's like a gladiator cage match, kind of shit i don't know um, something like that yeah some shit like that and he's got all his armor on because the dog just wants to maul him to death and the next hour of the movie ba- or the next 30 minutes of the movie rather is just this guy wearing down this dog mm-hmm. you know and slowly showing him his black skin and trying to teach him that black skin is not the enemy because clearly this dog was trained and it's exposed later through dialogue that these dogs are trained by white people paying black people to beat them as puppies so that they think that that's you know always the source of harm and that they want to harm the black people before they could do it to them and so it's this terrible you know racist oppression of these dogs yeah and it's like horrible to find out about and you realize that it's this totally real thing and you know there's all these racists obviously Mm -hmm. out there that probably have white dogs still as we've talked i think we talked about when we first talked about this movie in the abstract last week i think i relayed an anecdote about a white dog i was familiar with (laughs) but yeah the middle of this movie is so good it's like a sports movie with (laughs) the middle of it being a training montage you know it's just him training that dog and then the dog gets out again and he attacks a black man like into a church and just kills him in the church and brutal yeah it's so devastating when keys finally finds him 
and uh, he is just like looking at this body and it's just completely covered in blood in the church and you get this slow zoom in into a close up mm-hmm. on him crying and the zooms in this movie yeah. are so great. I talked about close ups in general, but the zooms into close ups in this movie are just fantastic and so expressive in a movie that doesn't feel like it's ever showing off with the camera somehow. Mm-hmm. It has all these tricks up its sleeves. Mm-hmm. The swoops too, like the swoops how it'll like find a character to very moving. Like yeah, he knows Fuller's an experienced filmmaker at this point. He knows how to work with the tools in his tool bag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you also see the book of Hitchcock Truffaut. Uh, that's what, that. yeah. When Julie goes to visit her coworker in the hospital, she's just holding tr- Hitchcock Truffaut, <laughs> which is kind of a nice touch. I don't really, you know, yeah. I'd have to look into what Sam Fuller's uh, relationship was with the French because I know they loved him. You yeah, know? he must have. I mean, there's a couple tr- two Truffaut references in a movie. You yeah. gotta, you gotta figure he at least. Has a little bit of fondness for at least that guy, yeah? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, by the end, you know, he's trained him and he can feed him a hamburger and everything. And uh, and then, when Julie goes to pick him up at the end, she's confronted by the owners of the dog. And they want him back. And she just fucking tells them off because they're racist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that is like the perfect like genre, like B movie genre depiction of a racist, oh, yeah. uh, because he like he says that he like uh, comes for like that he they came from the trailer park, yeah. Uh, <laughs> to like also he he's like coming to present her with chocolates, uh, <laughs> uh, to, to show appreciation for her finding the dog, and he has two uh, lily white daughters with him. It's just like such a pitch perfect moment. I think one thing that the movie does really well that in like the bluntness of addressing the racism, mm-hmm. it also like manages to do subtler beats with that. Mm-hmm. Like oh for sure it hits those broad things with having like Julie's confrontation uh, with the racist at the end, but then also like reveals a lot about like her own particular ignorance. Um, Like when uh, keys is explaining to her the notion of like what a racist, like white dog is Mm -hmm. uh, she's like asking like if there was an equivalent uh, to like hunt down like white escaped criminals and like there's he he's just sort of glides over that like as if there would be an equivalent yeah like something like uh, Julie feeding the white dog the sandwich during the training sessions when you know she was specifically told by the trainer like no he only has to accept food from you know someone with black skin and then kind of pair that with her kind of outburst towards the white racist former dog owner. You know, it, it really kind of shows like a, a contrast. And maybe, you know, maybe Julie's learned something at the end of this film. <laughs> you know what we say about movies on extended clip? They got to have a lesson. <laughs> and let me tell you, Sam Fuller took us to school. Yeah, I'm, hit, I'm hitting the books by watching the screen when it comes to him. <laughs> And then the final test is just him letting the dog run at him from a great distance. And you don't think it's that big of a deal. But then as the dog picks up momentum, it yeah. starts to just get the fangs out. And it looks like he's about to just fucking tear him down. Like he pulls out the gun. And then he just chills and he's like happy to see him. And they're mm. all happy. And it's like, oh, yay. And then uh, it's all these little fake outs, you know. And then it looks like the dog's going to attack Julie. And then it chills, you know. 
And then finally, it mm-hmm. sees the old man Carruthers, not the racist old owner, just the guy who runs Noah's Ark. Yeah, and uh, just fucking tears him to pieces <laughs> <laughs> in a truly gruesome ending to this movie. Yeah, just fucking destroys him, and then gets shot by Keys partway through. You know, midway through his meal. Mm-hmm. And, like, the scene where, you know, you kind of keep getting the fake-outs, that's a real, like, kind of smart convention he uses just with, like, the temperament of a dog and how, you know, you're never really going to know exactly how it feels, you know. And it's such a great manipulation of the audience because Mm -hmm. the one where Keyes brings someone in, that was, like, the scene before he calls her. So in that sequence, we see someone we don't know get threatened to be attacked and then we see keys get threatened to be attacked but it's not and then we see julie who's like technically the main character even though you could make the case it's you know keys's movie as the trainer uh julie's the main character she's the last person to get that kind of fake out where you think she's in danger and it's a really just like primitive way of doing suspense filmmaking going through the hierarchy of who he thinks the audience cares about the most (laughs) and putting them in danger one after another until the guy that's kind of in the middle the wild card he just throws him to the dog (laughs) so yeah i think it's really effective with how they throw for a loop there like because it's like I mean, the whole, like, sort of throughout the training of the dog, you're on pins and needles about whether or not it's going to be cured. And, I mean, obviously that promotes, like, the very broad question of, like, is, like, once racism is learned is, like, a trait, like, can it, is it something that can be solved um, as, like, a broad societal issue? Um, Is it, like, can it be unlearned? And, uh it wrestles with that question and then i think it like does something and that's one thing that like again to in armand white's review that he mentions is like pretty jarring that like fuller like comes down like pretty hard especially for the time in like the 80s um when i feel like post civil rights movement like by and large society is trying to like like widely ignore race as an issue sort of being like sort of the development of like a very neoliberal like post-racial society where it's like this is a problem we're not we don't really need to talk about anymore yeah um but i think like with a film that's addressing racism in such a violent and ugly way it's only natural for it to like there's no happy ending for this like if you're like if you're thinking about the lasting effects of racism and you want a movie like like and on a positive note like this is a fucking green book like (laughs) no disrespect (laughs) uh yeah no i fully agree with you there and like it makes sense that that era of like i guess almost like the precursor to neoliberalism i guess early 80s uh you know liberalism and just like general conservative media in that era uh would be scared of this film being racist even though it's so like vehemently anti-racism mm-hmm. and like it's funny what fuller was quoted as saying you know about the kkk being worried about this or the, the paramount being worried about the kkk's response to this movie because yeah that's the only that's the only like uh group i could see being outraged by this movie is like racists being like yeah. hey we're not that cartoonish you know <laughs> we don't all live with our grand our baby grandchildren that look like we're touching them inappropriately it's like what now dogs are racist where will it end <laughs> 
yeah it was actually just dog representation groups like <laughs> bad look for dogs you know <laughs> all right well i think that wraps up our thoughts on this anything else you guys want to say about white dog no nah. no nah. no okay and as i shot the kitties twice Ooh. i will train the white dog four and a half times <laughs> <laughs> well i'll i'll shoot the white dog four times with four bullets because i know racism can't be unlearned unlike yeah. unlike some people that's what i meant to say i'll train the dog four and a half times and i give racism four and a half bullets <laughs> <laughs> hey, racism watch out extend the clip has got it out for you you know you're in the scope racism <laughs> I uh I just uh love a big uh big fluffy dog. So I'm going <laughs> to give the dog uh four and a half cheeseburgers. <laughs> um it can have but when the dog, dog turns oh, out to I wanted be to racist. say that about Kitty. I wanted to say uh Kitty the tagline should have been I can has documentary. That was the vibe <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> anyway, sorry JT, go on. No, no, but then I'm I'm giving the dog four and a half uh, cheeseburgers. But racism, the movie, it's got to be four and a half bullets. It's a classic. Yeah, it's. I don't know what is holding me back from that last half a star or whatever. Damn. But uh, you know, maybe a second viewing or watching mm-hmm. it on film might do it. But uh, for now, top tier Fuller. You know, it's fucking classic right there. Mm-hmm. Fuller, what a great guy. I think we I mentioned him on the Joker episode. You know. We need to keep talking about him. Dude. He's the real Joker. The real Joker. Uh, I'd like to do like the steel helmet. You know. Yeah. Oh, I love the steel. I've never helmet. seen that. We could do. Uh, we could do that with like Deep Throat, and it's about films about stuff that has to do with head. <laughs> helmet. <laughs> oh, please. Wearing please. protection. Let's do a head episode. <laughs> head episode. <laughs> uh, well, well, I mean, it would only make sense that we do the monkey's head if we we're. Oh yeah, do that's head. Yeah. It'll be a triple feature. Yeah. <laughs> We love head here on <laughs> Because how are we not going to actually put any pornographic material in that episode? Um, we don't have any emails this week, but that's okay because last week was a Q&A episode basically yeah. and we're running late anyway. So Let's just re-answer it. an old one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your email? It's extendedclippodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter at extendedclip69 and I'm at iPod underscore video. I'm at Bitchface Palace. I'm uh, tall boy, thin legs. And next week, we will be back all together. Yeah, reunion. And we will be still locked out of the John Luke Dark Chris Kyle uh, Studio A. But you know, Malcolm and I are in Studio B right now, my bedroom. I think we're gonna move down to Studio C, hang out with the dogs. Yeah. Uh, see how that goes. If White Dog is any foreshadowing, I don't think it's gonna go well for us. <laughs> This one's for the dogs. Next one is with the dogs. I also wanted to give one last shout out to Matt Farley. Uh, Our listeners remember a few weeks ago, we talked about his film Local Legends. And, you know, Matt's such a good guy. He sent us a bunch of shit and it's awesome. He sent us a couple CDs, some DVDs, a record sleeve, uh, (laughs) some business cards and like just like general, etc. Matt Farley gear. Mm -hmm. And uh, it looks great. And we'll post a picture of our gear, our new digs. And uh, JT will show it off to you when you come by next week. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. Matt Farley, what a pimp. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Absolute, absolute legend. And I watched uh, Mod- Monsters, Murders, and Marriages in Manch Vegas. 
this week. Another Stone Cold classic from the Farley Man. And Ooh. Charles Roxburgh, got to give it to Oh, of course. The Roxburgh. director yeah, of yeah. most of these films. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I might have to bust open that new DVD, Slingshot Cops, tonight. Oh, Slingshot Cops fucking rules. Awesome. Well, extended clip remembers the classics, so <laughs> we'll see you next week. Is that our tagline? <laughs> <laughs>